Whether you're buying or selling real estate, getting an appraisal is a crucial piece of the puzzle. Today, we're gonna to learn the ins and outs of home appraisals, including what can hurt and what can help your chances at getting the highest appraisal possible. Welcome to Elevate, where we explore the latest in elevated living. Hear from the local artisans, business owners, and innovators who make Las Vegas extraordinary and whose stories and insights will help you live your best life. This is episode two with Nevada State Certified Appraiser, Scott Dugan. Scott, what is an appraisal? An appraisal is one person's opinion of the market value of a property based on comparable sales, listings, pending transactions, typically, hopefully in the same market area as the subject property in order for you to make comparisons to and in, in determining whether or not the comparables are similar to the subject. Uh, appraisals can be done for many reasons, estate tax purposes, retrospective date of death, uh, tax appeals, and so forth. But basically, an appraiser is just one person's opinion of what that value is. And appraisers have a tendency to have a wide opinion of value. So no two appraisers typically will come up with the same market value, especially in a market like we're in today, which is appreciating at 1% to 2% per month, depending upon the price range that we're in. Scott, how long have you been an appraiser? I've been appraising in Las Vegas since 1969, and I specialize in the luxury home market. Over that time period, I've appraised between 60 to 70% of all million-dollar properties in guard-gated communities throughout the Las Vegas Valley. Wow. So I'm curious, of all of those homes that you've appraised, which one has been the highest in price? Uh, I've appraised several up as high as $30 million. Wow. Is there anything you can share about the $30 million house? What's it like? That would violate client uh, confidentiality. <laughs> but it was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was nice. I, I can say that they had a lot more money than that in it. Wow. Hmm. So how, what can be done to get the highest appraisal possible? And. In order to get the highest appraisal possible, the property's got to be in excellent condition. In other words, let's say we have a 20 to 30 year old home. So it's in the second or third phase of its life cycle. And at that point in time, typically air conditioning units have been replaced, hot water heaters, floor coverings, home may have been painted multiple times. So the better the condition at the time of the appraisal, the better, the higher the price potential for that property can bring or attract on the open market. But the real question is, it also depends on the condition of the other properties in the marketplace. So you have to really pay attention to the other sales to make sure that they are arm's length transaction and, and to see whether they have new kitchens, bathrooms, um, Roofs. Roofs, and, and been very well maintained. Got it. So let's look at both sides of a transaction. So now normally, if a buyer is paying cash for a home, an appraisal is not required, and they usually don't get one, although they could generally don't see the purpose there. If we're in a transaction where the buyer is getting a loan, therefore the bank's going to require an appraisal to be done. If I'm on the seller's side of the transaction, what can I do to help 
make sure we hit that target price. Because if we're in contract for, say, $4 million, we don't need the appraisal to go over $4 million, but we needed to at least hit the you know contract price. Hopefully hit so, the contract yeah, price. Exactly, because um, we'll get into that if it doesn't next. But um, if I'm on the seller side, what can I do to help help the appraiser well you the agent can supply any kind of data to the appraiser in order to help them know what's going on with the property the issue is is an appraiser even on a four million dollar home we're going to only spend maybe an hour at that property so we're not going to have a uh, a lot of additional information so what i always tell clients is to prepare a list I put in new floor covering, $50,000. I just put the pool spa in for $100,000. Give us everything you've done to it since the last purchase so, or since you built it. And you actually furnish a cost breakdown if it's a new home sale because that helps the appraiser help you. Uh, any added information is always relevant to an appraiser and, and it's very helpful to them to determine the market value of a property. Right, and which you bring up a good point there, where as much as uh, a seller might not be too excited about the idea of going through and itemizing what they spent on everything, and it doesn't have to be to the penny, you know, but if you put in new light fixtures, you redid this, you know, AstroTurf outside or the fake grass or, you know, all these investments, you want to have those itemized for three reasons. You know, first and foremost, it helps us when we market and sell the property. It helps you with the, the appraisal side of things to help understand what's been invested in the home. And last but not least, it helps with the cost basis. So if, you know, when they go to their CPA to do their taxes and, you know, when a CPA has got to figure out, well, how much profit was there in this house sale? And these days there's a lot of profit. So one of those things that in the, when you figure out profit, you take the sale of the house minus what it costs to sell, you know, paying commissions and, and closing costs and whatnot. And then there's what you bought the home for, but then there's also what you put into the home, which increases your basis. So by having that increase in basis documented, it might help you save money on taxes too. Right? Yes, it will. Definitely. But also it helps the buyer to have a breakdown of all the improvements that we've made and the figures. A lot of agents will give you a nice upgrade list, but they don't put any figures on it, which is not helpful one bit. In other words, the figures are the key. Because, you know, we can't tell, I mean, a good appraiser can tell, well, that's 50,000 or that's 25, but most appraisers don't have that, inf uh, that ability to say what something costs in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So it's really critical, especially, especially if you bought a house like uh, six months ago for 400,000 and you're flipping it and you put a hundred grand in it and now you want to sell it for 650. But, and the, and the problem it's not a problem, but the deal with that is, is depending upon the properties in the subdivision, you may not be able to use the sales in the subdivision because they may not be updated. So the key is you have to expand your market area and try to find other properties that have been highly updated for comparison purposes. So have you seen in this current market um, appraisals affected in any way, the way they're being done? Well, it's, yes. I mean, I see a lot of appraisals by other people and it's, it's somewhat sad because in our market today, there's a undersupply of inventory, the market's improving and we're out of balance. In other words, we have more buyers than inventory for purchasers, you know, so the market's appreciating. 
time adjustments, some appraisers make them, some don't. Uh, inconsistent adjustments in the appraisal report. Uh, one of the biggest things we see, let's say I have a half a million dollar house and I have four comps. First one adjusts the 450, the second adjusts the 550, the third adjusts the six, and the fourth adjusts to 400. Well, how can those four sales with that wide of an indicated adjusted range of value give anybody an indication of what the subject property is worth? Okay, so in other words, something's wrong with something. In other words, those four comps, because of the widespread in the adjusted value, make no sense for me to appraise it at, say, 500000 Okay, so it tells, by just looking at an appraisal, you can tell whether the appraiser basically has a very good idea on what they're doing or what they're not doing. Because if a property is truly comparable to the subject, it, it should have sold near the subject or say within 10 or 15% above or 10 or 15% below, depending upon condition and features that property has. I mean, I've seen appraisers, uh, recently I saw one that uh, was in escrow for 1.3 and the appraiser put in a sale at 2.2 million. So what does that have to do with a $1.3 million house? Right, so I guess the to jump into the, I guess the reality of the situation is my experience is when we've had an issue with an appraisal, not coming in at the sales price. Now, technically the buyer could still buy the house. It just means they're going to have to come out of pocket more because the bank's going to only lend on the appraised value, which means whatever that shortfall is between the sales price and the appraisal, the buyer's going to have to come out of pocket additional. The biggest issue with buyers when it doesn't appraise is sometimes coming out of pocket more, but more often than not, I say it's the mindset of now they feel like they're overpaying for the house. And so a lot of times the buyer at that point either wants the seller to just lower their price or they end up canceling the deal. I found that in order to, you know, if that situation happens, there's not much we can do because if we go back to their appraiser, even to point out, hey, these are, this is what's wrong with the appraisal. You know, look, they used the wrong comp. They didn't adjust for upgrades that nothing changes. That appraiser is unwilling to make the change, maybe admit they're wrong or do more work for something they've already been paid for. And so I found the only way to fix or get another crack at a better appraisal is the buyer's going to have to switch lenders, which is impractical, you know, so they don't want to do. And so usually the deal falls apart. What do you, do you recommend people get appraisals ahead of time to help deal with this or? I, I always... In today's market, and let's let's put it this way, since the AMCs, appraisal management companies, came into existence in about 2010, the government felt that the fraud in the real estate industry was about three and a half percent. So what they did is they put the lender, an AMC company, in between the appraisers because they felt that that would eliminate the fraud. Well, here we are, 12 years later, the fraud's the same, about three and a half percent. And the AMC has only put in between the lender and the appraiser to do one thing, have a little bit more uh, privacy between the two and hopefully a little bit more credibility. But the main reason the AMC is there is to make money. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing basically is taking money from the appraisers. So they'll send that out the bid to 10 appraisers and they'll set it out at a figure X and see if they can get somebody to bite because their whole objective is to make as much money off each appraisal that they can. So, and 
And it's sad because the AMC doesn't care if the loan closes or not. Because they're going to get paid. Right. So basically, is it correct me if I'm wrong, but if for some reason it's a thousand bucks for the appraisal and they put it out to bid, who whatever appraiser in the group will do it for the cheapest will then net more. So if someone in the group says, Hey, I'll do it for two hundred, then the AMC manager or the company gets eight hundred. Or is that correct? If that's the, if that's what the lender was willing to pay, because what they would do is they won't put out what the lender's willing to pay on the bid process, they just put out what they're willing to pay. So the lender could say, I'll pay 1500. They may put it out at 800. Got it. And that's yeah. how we end up with appraisers that don't really know what well, they're doing in some I, of these transactions. I, I think the real problem with what happened is in the industry in about 2010 again, is FHA came out and said, in order to do our work, you have to be a certified residential appraiser. Okay. Prior to that, we had a residential classification, which we still do have, and a certified residential. But the residential prior to could only do up to a million dollars. Now they had to take a test and become certified, and all those appraisers now can do four, five, ten million dollar properties. And what they do is they don't necessarily have the competency level to appraise those type of properties. And that's what creates um, anxiety between real estate yeah. agents, lenders, and appraisers because you're having appraisers take assignments that they really don't have the competency level to do. Yeah, we've all encountered that. I've encountered it at least a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. yeah, which is where just so much of that preparation matters, both from the listing agent to be able to help provide sales data to that appraiser, along with the seller providing the upgrade list and itemization on cost. Right. And the, yeah. and the real key is, is what appraisers don't understand is the 40 or 50 pictures the realtor puts in the uh, MLS is not necessarily conclusive and enough data to appraise a $10 million home. And that brings me to my next question, because I just had a transaction that had a traditional appraiser and then they needed a second appraiser to come in. Um, and this person essentially did a desktop appraisal. Um and it was a bit of a challenge because they didn't really know the property. They didn't much have experience with this uh, price uh, range. Um, and it was a bit of an uphill battle. So is that something you see a lot of? Well, that's something that the appraiser should have never taken. Mm. In other words, you have a ethical responsibility and a competency. If you aren't competent in appraising certain types of properties, you have no business taking that assignment. You can't learn on the job. You, if you want to learn on the job, you have to associate yourself with a, a supervisor appraiser or somebody that has more knowledge than you that can assist you. So we've talked about what we can do or that what the seller can do in order to help the appraisal. What would they do to hurt the appraisal? Well, the property's in poor condition, needs to be cleaned up, haven't done anything to the property, uh, repairs haven't been made. Um, I always suggest to most sellers when I do an appraisal, pre-appraisal, get a home inspection. Because one thing you don't want to do is be blindsided with 100 items on a buyer's home inspection because then it just looks bad. I'd rather see a home inspection by the buyer with two things on it that maybe we missed from our home inspection. I think that's good. The property's got to be clean, looks good, sharp. Um 
have everything work in good working order and so that it shows properly, not just to the buyer, but to the appraiser as well. You got to remember an appraiser on a million dollar plus property is not going to spend probably more than an hour there. We're, we have access to all the drawings. We have to check for, through the Clark County Assessor's Office, but we have to check those drawings and make sure the dimensions are correct in order to calculate the gross living area as well. Well, and I, you know, once again, it comes back to putting your best foot forward, not only with the sales process, but also now for the appraisal process, where just as if someone was going out on a date and the person you met up with had a some ketchup spill on their pants, or maybe their hair was a bit messed up. It's the same person, same house, but presentation is everything, you know, and it's, so when we're selling the homes, we like to get in there and get the stager through and do the best we can. Mm -hmm. And I like your point about having them do an inspection as well, just to really put their best foot forward and make the transaction smoother down the road. Yes, I, I think it's critical, you know, and it's not that expensive for a home inspection and it just makes life simpler when the buyer has their home inspector do it. Got it. So a couple of just nuts and bolts. Um, in general, what is the cost of appraisal? Appraisals can cost anywhere from $500 to $5,000 or even more, depending on, on the type of the property. Got it. And how long does that process take? Uh, on a luxury property, it, the inspection would take typically 45 minutes to an hour and writing up the report could take anywhere from um, seven to 10 days after the inspection. Got it. And the idea of having a pre-appraisal or an appraisal done before either the property goes up for sale or when it's on the market, but not in contract yet. What, do you have any recommendations about that process? Uh, yes, especially if it's a complex property or highly updated and totally renovated. It's always good to have a pre-appraisal to see how see what the appraiser feels that the ultimate dollar highest highest price that we can get for this property. Yeah, and we've worked with you quite a bit on that in the past because there are times where, especially in this market where the data is thin, you know, for unique properties, it can always be challenging to find the data where it's got a nice yard and a view, you know, and, and, you know, especially in this market where you're seeing a lot of renovations happening and you'll have a property that's, you know, amazing and will sell for this high price. But like you said, none of the other comps or none of the other similar size homes in the neighborhood has done, have done that level of renovation. So instead of going out and finding a buyer that's willing to pay our price and then have the whole deal implode, you know, when their appraisal comes yeah. in low, we have reached out to you and done these in the past where you've come in and help say, hey, yeah, we're right on with that price. And in those cases, the appraisal's done. And some and sometimes we'll even share those with prospective buyers because it gives them a comfort level to understand that this, this home has a value at this price. Agreed. And it is very helpful to keep it in your back pocket to, for negotiation uh, purposes between a buyer and a seller. Yeah, because look, there's times where there's times where we've made it public and use that to help get the price we've wanted. There's been times where maybe you came in at a certain value and we said, hey, let's test the market a little more, but still keep the appraisal in our back pocket. Maybe we get one of those Californians to give us a great cash cash deal. But then we know if for some reason it doesn't work out, we really know where we stand. And at that time we might, you know, bring the price down a bit and make the appraisal public and now get the deal done. Yes, I, I agree. And today we really do more pre-appraisal because there's such a fluctuation in the marketplace. And to be honest with you, I could appraise something at 3 million and it could sell 10% higher or, or even higher than that higher because th with the influx of 
California buyers mm -hmm. are coming with a lot of cash and uh, they're willing to spend it. And to clarify, it doesn't necessarily have to be a remodeled home. We also, this also pertains to homes that are really unique architecturally. Um, I know there's certain homes that, that you've appraised for us that are not necessarily remodeled, but they're unique in the sense that, you know, they're full brick homes in these custom neighborhoods. And there's nothing like that particular home in the market. Yes, like a French country yeah. or something. It's uh, the unique homes typically for buyers coming from back east or from California are interested in those type properties because it reminds them of home. And another thing to, that's important about this appraisal process, which is a whole sort of hidden benefit to some degree, if you don't know about it, is the square footage. You know, obviously, price per square foot has just sort of become a de facto way to assess your home's value. Hey, this home sold for 500 a foot. This one sold yeah. for 485 a foot. Therefore, I want. So therefore, the more square footage you have, the more your home's worth. To, you know, asterisks to some degree. <laughs> Correct. Um, Simplified. So, but it's also common in custom homes and sometimes even in tract homes that the square footage is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you do during your process of an inspection for an appraisal is you, you know, talk to us about the measuring and the plans and how that works. Well, typically we do measure every home. I don't care whether it's 5,000 feet 15,000 feet or whatever the square footage is, we'll obviously get all the information we can from the assessor's office prior to, then we'll set an appointment, go out and we'll measure the house and and we'll check walls as we go around. And at some point I'll say, it seems to be okay, you know, unless it looks weird, but if, and then because the assessor does make mistakes. Okay. Right. So, and just to clarify, so that these measurements, so on Clark County Assessor's website, you can usually just pull them right off the site. Sometimes they have to be ordered. You can get the, the plans, but the, or the drawing and the drawing is just done. It's the perimeter. So your square footage includes the thickness of the walls, just like in our office, we're paying rent on the thickness of the walls because that's the way it's done. However, there's been times when Scott's, we've had them through to do these pre-appraisals and it's. We've realized that, hey, this room or this addition, or, you know, isn't correct on the on the assessors, and all of a sudden we've got an extra two hundred square feet. Well, if the home's, you know, five hundred five hundred bucks a foot, you know, that's an extra hundred thousand. You that's know, a big deal. Yes, <laughs> and that and that happens quite a bit. I mean, the assessor does a, a very good job overall when you consider there's about eight hundred thousand properties. 550,000 uh, residential properties. Uh, they do make mistakes, but in general, I would have to say 90% or more are correct. But we do occasionally run into the ones that are incorrect or what happens sometimes is they'll have the wrong floor plan on yeah. the wrong property, which is right. somewhat common that. occasionally too. Right, and that's where I see that come out more often, even particularly with semi-custom production type homes where like Christopher Holmes, who's built, you know, whether it's the view product up in McDonald Highlands or stuff like um, Boulder Ridge and the Ridges and, you know, Queens Ridge, Palisades, et cetera. There might be a floor plan where it was a three, it was either a three car garage plus the casita, or it was standard as the four car garage. Yeah. And so if the standard was the four car, but then someone, Got the because the because um, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, in sort of these production neighborhoods like Toll Brothers, Pulte, they don't go and measure every house, they're going off the floor plans, just the plans 
generally that they've been provided. So they might they might have said, "Oh, this home is at plan three, but didn't realize they did the casita in lieu of the four car garage, and there's a whole four hundred square feet that got missed. And we've seen some of that sometimes. Well, I I, I would concur with that, but they do go out the Measure. every every okay. every house got it multiple times during the construction phase got to it. make sure it's correct. But we'll have builders sneaking. You know, they'll push it out two feet here and there and change the square footage from what what it says on the plans. And sometimes what the plans say is gets entered into the documents at the assessor. I've it does seen happen. A, I've seen one particular builder where they extend, they push out the closet in the master bedroom there and the, the garage is smaller and that changes it by 200 square feet without the Without changing knowing. the footprint. Correct. Yes. And that affects yes. it. That affects it. Yeah. Yeah. So- some positive takeaways, putting together a list of all your upgrades and improvements you've done in the house, definitely getting a home inspection if possible to get repairs and things done ahead of time. And then um, last but not least, getting you through to do an appraisal. I mean, obviously we recommend Scott Dugan. He's, I'd say, the number one guy for luxury 100%. market appraisals um, to do something like that ahead of time. And then just for the, the homeowners out there, your appraisal is confidential. It's not public record. So, you know, if they don't, let's just say it's a number that they don't like, or they still want to try a little bit more. Nobody has to know. It's a conversation. You know? Correct. I are yeah. anything I do for us client is confidential between that client and I. Yeah. Period. So Scott, in this market, we're seeing a lot of cash buyers coming in from California, East coast. And the question comes up whether the cash buyer who doesn't need an appraisal should get one. What do you think? Well, they don't necessarily have to, number one. But number two, a lot of them that are coming in and don't know our state and they're relying on a real estate agent that they trust, they have some familiarity or someone who's recommended to them, but they do do a lot of appraisals. That's probably 20% of my business today is cash buyers because the buyer wants to make sure that whatever they're paying isn't more than what it's we believe it's worth in the marketplace. I th I think the big key is today to be very honest with you what goes up will go down. And the market is already starting to stabilize to some degree. You've heard it from Scott the goat when it comes to appraisals <laughs> and we uh, look forward to doing more business with you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me today and uh, hope it all works out. Thank you Scott. <laughs>